0: Teachings of Jesus have to do with either giving or the right or wrong use of possessions and money. Because when we talk about money, it always kind of gets personal. And our relationship with God is something personal. Another reason I want to mention is that as we give, God does something inside of us supernaturally. I think... I found in my life that giving produces in me a further surrender to him in other areas. It helps me to grow in faith because it does take faith to give. It also kind of keeps us walking in humility. And how is that? Because I have to kind of recognize that really everything I have belongs to God. So I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to the major part of today's message. I wanted to I want to devote to sharing my own personal journey in giving. Okay, And uh, and in fact, I even asked that the uh, older kids stay in because my journey with giving started when I was about 10 years old. Uh, It was 10 when I gave my life to the Lord was in a Baptist church in Sylacauga, Alabama. And, um, and though I was young and I really had nobody to follow up on me, my family moved around from place to place. My dad was in the military. And, uh, and so we would always go to the, uh, the, uh, army base chapel where everyone did. And they kind of, most of the time it was a watered down message. And, uh, But even though I didn't really have anyone to follow up on me, I I know that God did something in my heart. Because two things kind of happened almost immediately. One, someone told me that as a Christian, I need to read my Bible every day. And so I did. And when I was 12 years old, I heard about the American Bible Society. They gave out a, it was like a pamphlet, one of those things, kind of like an accordion. And it had a passage to read of the Bible every day. And if you did all of it, you'd read through the Bible in one year. Which is probably more than a lot of people, a lot of Christians do. And I did that. And I did that probably all the way through my teen years. I read my Bible every day because I was told I was supposed to. Now again, I didn't have anyone telling me to do that. I didn't kind of have anyone kind of saying, you know, if you're a good Christian, it was just something that God put in my heart. I'm sure I heard someone say something. But the other thing is that I also kind of heard, oh, you're supposed to give to the Lord a tithe. And uh, I asked what a tithe was. Oh, 10%. And so at first, it was from my allowance. It was about 20 or 30 cents a week. But I was, for me, that was very important. And again, no one really told me or pushed me to do this. It's not like my parents did that, but I always kind of did that. Now, a little bit older, when I was probably 13 or 14, I started working side jobs. I loved cutting grass, doing yard work, because for me, it was pretty good money. And I lived in a place where you cut grass most of the year. So that was kind of good. Here I'd be limited about three times a year cutting the grass. But that wasn't the case there. It was in Texas, El Paso, and, and also in Alabama. And then I even kind of had a little time when I decided I was going to start selling magazines. And I probably made a total of about $3 on that whole adventure. Not very much. But I always gave 10%. In fact, I can still remember I had two jars in my room. One, all the money I would make and then take out 10% and put it in the other jar. And uh, somehow I just kind of knew that's what uh, I was supposed to do. I never questioned it. I never resented it. Now, when I got into upper high school and in college, um, well, maybe before I get get there, When I was in Taiwan, well, maybe I will kind of do that. Uh, uh, You know, it was more of a sacrifice because I always had something I was saving for. You know, by the time you're in 11th grade, 12th grade, there's a trip, there's something, something I wanted to buy. But I always knew that this was an important part of my life. When I was in Taiwan, I've mentioned this before, my dad was in the military. We spent my 10th and 11th grade in Taiwan. And uh, there I met some missionaries. I finally started having some follow-up. And, uh, and I began reading biographies of men and women of God. And these were all men and women of faith. Especially when it came to trusting God for financial provision. The first one I read was a book called God Smugglers by God Smuggler by Brother Andrew, how many of you have ever read that? Okay, quite a few people. Okay, good. Basically, it was a story of a man who believed that God was going to open up doors to go into the behind the iron curtain and smuggle Bibles. And uh, but you know what? He was always relying on God for finances to buy more Bibles. And that just I don't know. It just it it did something in my heart. Later, I read Hudson Taylor. I read the biography of Hudson Taylor. Amy Carmichael. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China. Amy Carmichael in um, India. Watchman Nee was also in China. George Mueller. He was in England. And he believed that God wanted, to, uh, wanted him to open an orphanage. At first, it was like for 10 or 15 people. But he was going to believe that God was going to supply financially for the food and the schooling and the lodging for these orphans. In fact, he kind of made it a point. I'm never going to ask for money. I'm just going to trust God. Well, God kept supplying. He kept bringing more orphanages. By the time he died, he was taking care of 1,000 orphans, feeding them, doing school for them. He'd have lodging for them, you know, provided for their spiritual well-being, everything. These were the books that I read and reread. Every one of these I've read many times. I think the biography of Hudson Taylor I read. I think I've read about 15 times in my life, you know. And I developed a love for Christian biographies that I still carry with me now. In fact... These were my spiritual mentors. They were my mentors. But I saw a connection right away that giving and God's supernatural provision was always connected. It was always was. Like George Mueller. It's not that he just believed that God was going to supply for him, but whenever he get money, he gave a lot of it away to other missionaries and to other projects. And it's almost like the more he gave, the more it came back, and uh, and so this was something that inspired me. I'm talking about like when I'm in my twenties, you know, early twenties and late teens, and I began to look for ways to give more than ten percent because I wanted to live by faith. Now, we've got quite a few people here who are in their teens, young adults young married couples. And I just want to tell you, I want to encourage you to develop the discipline of giving to the Lord first and also to others. Make it a habit and don't be deceived by little excuses that you get. You know, it's easy to kind of think, well, my little bit doesn't really make a difference. You know, my 30 cents, if I get $3 allowance, of course, now it's much bigger than that. I know, but you think, does it really make that much difference? It does inside of us. And also God has a way of just multiplying things too. So I just want to encourage you to take this seriously. Go before the Lord and ask him. And I'm so thankful that the Lord showed me this when I was young. And I began to practice giving on a regular basis. In fact, as I look back, I feel like giving to the Lord helped produce in me a consistency in my Christian life that I didn't see in a lot of my peers. You know, and I think because I was diligent, I tried to make it a habit of doing this. I did make a habit of doing this. And I think somehow, supernaturally, it gave me a consistency. Some other early lessons I learned. When I was in my 20s, actually early 20s, the faith movement. Became very popular. Actually I call it the pseudo faith. Because it's. Not really. Biblical faith. They talked about seed faith. You plant something by giving. God's going to bring it back to you. And it almost kind of a. Give in order to get. Uh, they also. Kind of say name it and claim it. I want that car. I name it. And I claim it in Jesus's name. You know. It was called the prosperity movement. By the way, it's still around, you know. But it really mushroomed in the early and mid seventies. And I have to admit, I was repulsed by it. But it produced kind of a an inner struggle, una lucha, inside of me, because on one hand, I was repulsed by a lot of the attitudes, but on the other hand, I knew that God was meeting my needs and that part of it's because I was faithful in being giving. That was a spiritual truth. And so I was, I was kind of caught in this, um, you know, this wrestling inside. In fact, when I was 22 years old, I went full time for the Lord when I was 23. But when I was 22, the job that I was working with sent me to Louisville, Kentucky for a week translate for a week training. And, uh, of course I was only there about another year and then I left, but, uh, but at that time, right down the road, probably at that time, the most famous of the prosperity gospel preachers was doing a crusade. I'm not going to mention the name. It doesn't really make any difference. And I decided I need to kind of hear Lord. Am I missing something? Because I was already experiencing that God provided for me, but there was something I didn't like about it. So I went there every night just to kind of listen and kind of hear, Lord, teach me, am I missing something? And I finally concluded at the end of that week that the problem with them is it was all about them, my wants, my desires. And that was an important distinction because what God had been teaching me through some of my mentors, these biographies, is that whenever I need something for God's kingdom, I can believe that God's going to take care of it. And uh, and that's a pretty big distinction. In fact, through all that, and this is probably the first time I noticed this, I realized that the precious truths of God are often distorted. By the enemy. In fact, Satan tries to discredit a truth of God by including part of it, but kind of making it something sensational or something that's fleshly. And that's true for a lot of truths of God, I found. But that was the first time I really realized that that's a, that 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 can be a problem. Um, By the way, I've gotten in trouble a lot by preaching against the prosperity movement. People have kind of been offended, but I feel like it's not right. You know, a lot of it. Yes, there is a truth in it that we are to give it. Yes. There's a truth that, that God provides, but I don't do it in order to do that. I do it because I just want to see God glorified. Well, I continued in my twenties to see God meet all our needs because by this time I was married, And uh, he was faithful always. I can trust in his faithfulness. And I discovered that a lot of times, because I'm kind of a planner, I can plan out my finances. And you know what? Giving never seemed to kind of fit into it. It There's never really enough. It didn't make sense. It didn't add up. And by the way, I was always a strong math student. My mom was a math teacher. My uncle was a professor in college at math. And so it kind of bothered me that it wouldn't kind of add up. But I realized, wait a minute, especially through my mentors, these biographies. Wait a minute. It's trusting God. It's like the loaves and fish that Jesus fed the 5,000 to. That didn't add up, right? In fact, the disciples, they were kind of thinking, wait a minute. We've got five loaves, seven fish, 5,000 people. That's just the men. Then the women, the children, Jesus is not adding up. And I discovered God loves to multiply things. And he starts teaching us that with our finances, because that's the thing closest to us, right? You know, you can kind of talk about a lot of other things, but when you start talking about finances, you know, the defenses kind of go up. So I'm just telling you my story. By the way, um, At that time, especially when I first went into the ministry, I didn't make much. Actually, I qualified for food stamps, all sorts of welfare programs. But I chose, you know, wait a minute. I want my trust to be in the Lord, not in food stamps. So even though people say, you need to do that. I thought, no, that's okay. I'm just going to trust God. And you know what? He was faithful. And. I discovered that learning about trusting him and faith in the area of my own personal finances, it spilled over to all other areas of my life. Faith for other people. Faith that God's going to work in someone's heart. A lot of things. Faith that God was going to give me the message for Sunday morning. But it started with that. And by the way, that's a biblical principle. Because Jesus says in um, you know, Luke 16 that if you're faithful in a very little thing, talking about finances, then he'll, he'll show his faithfulness in bigger things. So it's a training ground that God gives us. And that's why I'm so glad that I started when I was 10 years old. And, and that God started teaching me a lot of these lessons in my teens and 20s. One of the things that um, I also, Proverbs 3... 9 and 10. I actually memorized this when I was. I think I was 20 years old. It says. Honor the Lord from your wealth. And from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. And I remember thinking. Wait a minute. It says. First. I honor the Lord. And. And. That coincided with this whole thing about it doesn't add up when I start figuring out. Because whenever I figure out the finances, okay, now giving my 10% or whatever I was going to give, hey, it doesn't fit in. But I decide, nope, I give and then I figure it out. And you know what? That made a difference. Give first to the Lord. Um, and I. It, it was something that God showed me. And it was something that's been part of my life. And by the way, this led me or us by this time, because I'm married, you know, to look for ways to give. See, at first, it was especially when I first entered into my upper teenage years and got married in my 20s. It was like, okay, oh, yeah, that's right. And I've got to give my toys, you know. And I thought, no, it's not about I've got to give. It's I get to give. It's a joy. And, uh, and it's something that, uh, you know, that I need to look for ways. And so I started looking for ways to give extra. And, uh, and again, I was probably motivated by some of the biographies I was reading. My mentors. Like, these are just some of the things in my early 20s. Uh, I soon discovered that my net pay and my gross pay, there's a big difference, (laughs) you know, because all of a sudden Uncle Sam wants a big chunk of it, much more than I kind of thought he really deserved, you know, and, uh, and so the thought came, maybe I should, maybe I should just give my net pay because I was already giving my gross pay. And, uh, and again, the Lord said, no, wait a minute. I thought you're looking for ways to give. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I'm looking for ways. So I'm going to give off the, the, the bigger. And it's about this time too that I kind of decided I was going to give more than 10% too. Because I was looking for something. I also discovered that when I received a larger unexpected sum, which wasn't often. Like when I sold a car. Or in my 20s I sold my townhouse and bought another one. Or maybe a tax refund. Or later maybe other investment things that that was a place to give, not just a tithe, but give extra. And so this is because there's a joy in giving. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully Will also reap bountifully. In other words, the choice is ours. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It made sense. I know we've talked about this before, but for me, in my journey with God, all of a sudden it made sense that this is supposed to be a joy. In fact, the whole chapter talks about the joy, rejoicing. And I said, God, that's what I want. In fact, that's why I never have tried to pressure people to give. Because it's too holy of a thing. It's between them and the Lord. But I do feel like I need to kind of share my experience and what God says. Also discovered at one point that from the scriptures, that really God is the owner of everything I have. I'm just a steward. And that kind of really made sense to me, you know, because it's not my money. It's his money. Yes, I've seen ups and downs in finances. And I've discovered that it's important, maybe even most important to give during the down times. And I grow in my confidence in God when I see him provide even when it doesn't make sense. In fact, I think this is what kind of helps make a consistent Christian walk. And it prepares me for all sorts of other things. In fact, it's a testing time, and testing times always prepare us. If I don't feel motivated to give, I do it by faith, not by feeling. And again, I feel like that has added to giving me a consistently consistency in my Christian life. Even when I was in my 20s and 30s that a lot of people don't have. So when I look back on my life. The spiritual lessons that have helped shape me. And I'm so thankful. God's given me a blessed and abundant life. Giving has to be in the top five. Maybe the top three areas. That God worked in me at the very beginning, that I feel like I've seen fruit spread to other parts of my life. And sometimes I get, I'm surprised by the excuses I hear people give over the years for not giving because it seems so clear to me. You know, why would you not want to participate in a life filled with faith and spiritual abundance? So, this is my story, this is my testimony to his faithfulness. And I share it today because I want all of us to be able to kind of have a testimony of sharing God's faithfulness. And, uh, and by the way, I think it's especially important in the days to come. Okay, I do want to share one passage. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. And by the way, Uh, in my journey with God, God led me to memorize this passage when I was maybe early 20s. Actually, it may have been when I was about 19. I'm not sure. But anyway, let me me just read it. I just want to make a couple comments. For this reason, I say to you, by the way, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches foundational teaching to the disciples right in the middle of it. He says, for this reason, I say to you, And he's already been talking about our treasure. Where's our treasure? Is it where our money is or is it in his work? He says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Actually, we know that worry might take hours off of it, not add to it. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory... Clothe himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, and what will we drink, and what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay. One of the things, one of the reasons I kind of was drawn to this passage is because when I would read the biographies of brother Andrew. Or Hudson Taylor. They always talked about our Heavenly Father takes care of us. All our needs. And again, giving and faith and and trusting Him and God's provision. They're all kind of in one package. One has to be convinced of this passage. The truth of this passage. If not, giving will only produce anxiety. Maybe even fear. And if you are convinced of the reality of this passage, the truth of it, giving actually becomes a joy. One of the most important joys in your life. Obviously, we don't have time to go into this very deeply. But let me just mention a couple things. One, the main point in this passage is do not be worried. Or some translations, accurate, actually a more accurate translation would be, do not be anxious. The Greek word, maroneo, means to get excited, to get anxious. Like, like get excited in a, in a bad way. Uh, to worry about something. And in this passage, five times, Jesus says, do not be anxious. Do not be worried. We are not to be anxious or worried about food, drink, clothing, our basic needs. And why is that? Because our Heavenly Father is going to take care of us if we trust Him. That's a promise He makes for every one of us who follow Him. He's going to take care of us. Our Father takes care of the birds of the air, the animals of the fields, the flowers of the field, why would he not also do so for his favorite part of creation, us? So the challenge that Jesus gives to his disciples to us, is trust him, believe him. He might take a step of faith, but we will see his faithfulness. Here are some signs that we are anxious about these things. You know, several times he talks about these things, meaning our food, our clothing, our drink, you know, just the basic needs. We are anxious if we're constantly figuring out how to make the finances work. Where am I going to get more money. Maybe I need to get another job. Maybe I should take an extra shift. It's open on Sunday morning, you know. You know, that's a sign that somehow you're getting anxious. Or also... If you think, I just don't have enough money for this retreat or this mission trip or to give a tithe or to help with this special offering, you know, now that doesn't apply to buying a new car or something like that. But if it's something for God's glory, I found I, I can just trust him for it. He will supply. Now, again, if it's going out for dinner, well, God will supply, you know, that might be a little bit different. But if it has something to do with furthering his kingdom or furthering my spiritual growth. Like even when I was in my 20s and I was tempted to kind of count the pennies. If I found a Christian book, now I can get a lot cheaper on Kindle. But, you know, I felt like the Lord said, trust me for that. Anything for your spiritual growth, trust me for it. Another sign that you're anxious about these things. Comparing your financial situation to others. Or being critical of someone else in their situation financially. Or another sign, if you find yourself being defensive when you hear about trusting God, like today. (laughs) So if you feel like you're being being a little bit defensive this morning in your mind, eh, that could be a sign that maybe you're a little bit too anxious. Let's look at verses 31 through 34 again. Do not worry then. This is his conclusion. Or do not be anxious. And again, that's a strong word in the Greek. Saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Now, when Matthew especially talks about the Gentiles, it's a reference to those who aren't God's people. The world is always seeking after these things. You know, it's, it's part of life. In fact, I've even if you're a millionaire, make millions, I found that those people are getting anxious about money too. You know, but for those of us who are believers, it doesn't have to be that way. Now, it may be, but it doesn't have to be. Because we have a Heavenly Father that says, I'm going to take care of it all. You know, David said that in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. What does it say? I shall not want, You know, you know. Um, For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. You know what? He knows what we need. And then verse 33, I like this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. That is a promise. You know, that's the secret. We've got to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And these other things will just be added or provided to us. Now, sometimes we're seeking out of other things, aren't we? You know, uh, we're not seeking first his kingdom. We're seeking these other things. And that never works. But, but by the way, there, there's other times. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? And uh, Martha was busy. And she was anxious. And what did God tell? What did Jesus say? Martha, Martha, you are bothered and worried about so many things. Let's seek him. And everything else falls into place. The next verse, the last verse, it says, and do not worry. There it is again. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, what that tells me we're not to be anxious about our future. Tomorrow, next year. Now, you might say, but aren't we supposed to plan for tomorrow? Think ahead. Yes, but we don't get anxious about it. And we should always hold our plans loosely before the Lord because, what, God always likes to kind of change our plans. He does with me. And you know what? He never asks my permission either. He just kind of changes them, you know. So, yes, there's some things we may need to plan for. If you are going to college, you may need to kind of figure out the finances. You're buying a house or a new car. But we're not to get anxious about it or worry. You see the difference? And it's also important that we stick with what God's called us to, not just jumping around, being led by our feelings or emotions. Again, the key word is being anxious. We're not to be anxious for tomorrow. We're not to be anxious for all these things. But we are to what? Trust him. You might say, how do you stop anxiety? You know, a lot of times people say, yeah, Mike, that's easy for you to say. Maybe, maybe you just kind of, you know, maybe you're just not an anxious person, but I'm anxious. How do I get rid of that? And I've thought about that question a lot because I've been asked that question. And I think the best way to stop anxiety is you just have to kind of start taking those baby steps, baby steps of faith and begin to see his faithfulness. And as you do, like for me, since I was 10 years old. I just knew that was something I wanted to do is give to the Lord. And you know what? It's not something I struggle with anymore. In fact, by God's grace, I I, I hardly ever did. Because God, as we step out in faith, he just gives us a supernatural assurance. I'm going to take care of you. Matthew 6 is true. Let's go back to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. But we have to trust Him. And we need to acknowledge Him in everywhere. We we don't, uh, we we stand up for Him. We give, whatever He says, we acknowledge Him. And He will make our path straight. And then he says in verse nine, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I like that. Just overflow. And I think he's talking about spiritual things there. I know that some people say, well, he's going to return it financially. And yeah, he probably does. Not always in our timing, but he does. But most important is spiritual. And I'm not worried about what I'm going to eat or drink about the future. God doesn't want me to. He doesn't want to be, be anxious. Second Corinthians five. Verse seven. We've read this before many times. But it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. You know, think about it. a walk. is not just. One step, it's many steps. And walking by faith doesn't mean we step out in faith in a few isolated events. It's something we do regularly. And we don't do it by sight. It doesn't, we don't walk by what we see, what we feel. You know, we just do according to God's will. So in conclusion... Um, what does giving do to us? The emphasis today is what he does inside of us. It builds our faith, our trust in him and brothers and sisters. I can't emphasize it spill. When we do it with our finances, which is kind of close to us, it spills over to the rest of our lives. It builds consistency in our lives. It brings us humility. It helps us to get rid of anxiety. And it helps us to come to a place in every area of our life of full surrender. And the amazing thing about this is this can begin now. When you're 10, when you're 12, when you're 14, you might already be 20 or 25. Do it now. Or if you're 50, start now. But it is easier when you're younger. I will say that. Because it just becomes who you are. And God does all these things as a result of that. So hopefully this has kind of helped. Just kind of sharing my story. I don't think I've ever done that before. But I just feel like. Especially since we have so many young people. I just want to encourage you. You know, Learn to trust God. L- learn to. Count on his faithfulness. He will take care of all your needs. As you're faithful to him. He is much more faithful to us. Let's pray. Lord we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord it's new every morning. You say. And Lord that's the way it's meant to be. Every day. As we trust you. Lord we thank you that. For your words. That you gave us in Matthew 6. That we do not need to worry or be anxious about these things. We don't need to be anxious about tomorrow. And it doesn't mean that we don't plan somewhat for these things, but we don't want to be anxious about it because Lord, we know that you see the bigger picture and you could take care of your children. Just like you take care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Lord, work that deep inside of us. And Lord, I especially ask Lord that For the younger generations that are kind of, that you're raising up here, that you would plant that deep inside of them. That you would establish it and root it inside of every one of them here. Thank you, Lord. Amen.